Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Sifflication Conflagration. Here are your two amazing hosts, Nate Bradford and Stephen Ronquillo. Guys, take it away! Hey, Nate, I got a question for you. Yeah? What happens when two idiots run a show? <laughs> I think we're about to find out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I thought we were doing it at eight, I thought we were doing it at eight o'clock tonight, so I oh, took my don't worry my, uh, about I, it. Don't worry about I, it. I, I had to wait I had to wait for my medicine my uh diabetic medicine to get here anyway. I I took my usual afternoon uh weed yeah. nap and uh I woke up to like thirty messages from you like, Where the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> But I was like, what? That's we're... the big news. The big news <laughs> is we are six days away dun, da, 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 from the premiere of Nate's new podcast. Oh, yeah, baby. Yeah. It should be a good one. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Vicky and I are Vicky and I are going to be sitting down. This is actually this will be a fun one because even though Vicky is all the way across the country uh in California and yeah. I'm all the way up here in in Maine, we are actually going to have an in-studio uh guest. Uh my buddy uh Brendan Williams uh will be in the studio with me and uh he is uh well Abby and I were actually having a discussion about this. We're not quite sure what the current uh, nomenclature or the current verbiage is to discuss people. Uh, he's not completely deaf. So now I would think hearing impaired would be a, 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 a you know, correct uh, way to refer to someone who's not 100% deaf. But according to the Internet, hearing impaired is no longer socially acceptable. But if well, he's I not prefer completely to call it a nice way to talk to stupid people, because if you don't want to deal with their bullshit, you can go, uh, I'm sorry, my hearing's not here right now, so I'm not <laughs> going to deal with your bullshit. <laughs> right. So, but Vicky and I are going to have, uh, are going to have Brendan on the show. He's a very yeah. successful comedian. Uh, he is 75% deaf, but he's a very successful comedian. He's a political activist. And uh, he has some great stories to tell about growing up in San Francisco and uh, time he was charged with treason. So uh, he's got some stories to tell. Yeah. <laughs> so so well, he'll be on the show. Uh, Wednesday, uh, yeah. Tonight's show and Wednesday are the last two shows before Halloween month starts. Yeah. And tonight's show, well, first we're going to talk about one of the most dangerous filmmakers to come out of the black exploitation movement, if not the most dangerous, and that would be <laughs> Melvin Van Peebles. Yeah, for sure. How did you yeah. first run into his work? Uh, just like most people, I think most people who uh, started to get into black exploitation in their, you know, like. Uh, uh, our age group, uh, I got into black exploitation stuff when I was in my early teens, and I think the first of his movies I ever saw was Sweet Sweet Facts, Bad Ass Song. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I love that one. Yeah. I think one of my I'm favorite sure. moments uh, in that movie, man, is the scene where the old white man is just standing there, and you're expecting it to go one way, but then the old white man ends up helping him. <laughs> right. <clears throat> That's a real yeah. what the fuck moment back then. Mm-hmm. And it was a, it was a really, uh, I think, you know, like I said, coming into all that black exploitation stuff around the same time, I think that was one of the first movies I can think of when I put it on a timeline with other black exploitation flicks that really started doing like the. Uh, like jump cuts and montage scenes and the stuff that really came to define, you know, uh, the black exploitation genre in the seventies, you know? Um, and the fact, the fact that like earth, wind and fire did that theme song that kind of brought the, you know, <laughs> that kind of brought like the, the whole soundtrack aspect of it. Um, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I'm what, sorry, what, but I uh, can't what? think of that movie without that without that one scene that uh, they was like uh, there with Melvin, and all of a sudden the guy from Earth, Wind, and Fire talked to his girlfriend. Was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do the soundtrack." You ain't got no band. <laughs> right? Shut up. He don't know that. And then <laughs> Melvin was in the other room, and uh, Mario was like, "Dad." You ain't got no $50 to pay them. Shut up, son. They don't know that. <laughs> right? And uh, here's, a, here's a, a little story that probably, has, probably won't have aged well, but uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, Bill Cosby put up a bunch of the money to make that movie uh, initially. Yeah. I think he, yeah. Yeah, he was one of the backers. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. And, uh, and he gave yeah. his son the VD. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, uh, shoot. <clears throat> yeah. But and that uh, was his uh, third film. His first film was Les Permission, a.k.a. Story of a Three-Day Pass. Yeah. Yep, that's right. <clears throat> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I don't really. I don't really know if that. I don't know if that movie really like. For me, that doesn't. Uh, it doesn't really work the same way as. You know, he had only done a couple of short films before that, right? Like before he did that. Uh, but he yeah, had... he did a couple of short films, and then uh, and then story of a three day pass. Uh, and what's really he, heartbreaking is uh, Melvin died three weeks before Criterion put out the mega box set of all of his work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday, um, uh, it's coming out, and it's going to have Story of a Three-Day Pass, Watermelon Man, Sweet Sweet Back's Badass Song, and the short films you talked about, and uh, Don't Sell Us Cheap. Yep, right. Um, 
And I mean, excuse me. Uh, I do, I do think that there are some early hints of some of the stuff that, uh, that he would hit on later in his work. But for that, that one doesn't feel as much like, uh, I mean, now he, he wrote that that film based on a novel that he had written before, right? That was yeah. He had he yeah he had written the novel and then he made that into his first film or his first full length film, yeah. Which is something that I think a lot of people don't realize or forget about him is that not only was he a writer, he was also you know a musician and he wrote uh, plays. He wrote plays before he you know um, his most people that know of his work focus on his filmmaking, which was a small percentage, a small percentage of his career. You know, he, he wrote so much, he did so much more writing, you know? So, well, if you listen to his music, you're being very generous when you call him a musician. (laughs) Well, yeah, I didn't say, I didn't say he was a great musician. I just said he wrote music. You know, uh, but yeah, yeah, we're gonna be talking you know. about comedy later. But yeah, uh, Watermelon Man, his second film was his uh, only studio film, and what it is is Godfrey Cambridge plays a white man who wakes up as a black man. Yeah, we actually, um, I think we. We talked about this a long time ago on a on one of our other uh one of our other podcasts. You and I talked about this quite yeah. extensively, I think. Uh because it it was it was released as a comedy, but it's one of those movies that could never be made today. I mean, no. Um, not with uh, the way that uh, Melvin made it. No. <laughs> they wanted um, I mean they wanted to make it with uh Jack Lemon as the star and I just like no 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 no. <laughs> what what was the they made kind of like in the 80s there was like a loose remake of it though, right? Um Oh god. Uh, you what, had what to was bring that? up motherfucking Soul Man, didn't you? With oh, man, yeah. Thomas Howe as, the, oh, my as God. the main role. <laughs> oh, man, that was horrible. That may be that, one now, of the most racist movies I have ever seen. Yeah, Watermelon Man could probably get remade today, but, yeah, Soul Man, no, no, probably never. <laughs> And uh, Melvin had to fight for the ending of Watermelon Man, which was, uh, well, originally they wanted to make it an ending where he turned. But, oops, he forgot to film that ending where he turns white. Oh, no. Yeah, and the head of the studio went to him. He's like, hey, Melvin, we look for that film of the scene where the guy turns white again. To quote him, oh, I'm so sorry. I must have forgot. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. You can almost hear him doing like the the phony plantation voice, you know, like, oh, I'm yeah, sorry, well, Matthew. Yeah, if you watch uh, <laughs> uh, How to Eat Your Watermelon in White Company, he does the yeah, plantation right? voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right? boss, I'm so very, very sorry. I, I forgot <laughs> to do it. <laughs> Uh, but that is a great ending. Like I mean, it, it, I couldn't see him doing that before. It's like his friend come up to him. He's like, don't you want to be white again? He's like, well, this is the quote, the ending, and my, Melvin wrote it. He's black. I'm going to say it. No, I'd rather stay a nigger because when you're a nigger, you know where you stand in this world. Right, yeah. And that's and, really Melvin's attitude is that yeah, when you're dele- when you're denigrated like that, you know where you stand with people. Yep. And you know, and that was brilliantly spoofed by that um by the Eddie Murphy sketch on Saturday Night Live that was white like me. Remember that? <laughs> oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they all put on white face and stuff and got away with it. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite part of that sketch is when he goes to buy the newspaper and the guy's like, "Take it, just, just take it." <laughs> he's like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I realize yeah. that when there are no black people around, white people just give things to each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean you can like, just yep. see Melvin's influence all over that sketch. That yeah, kind for of sure. Anger he had. He had that yeah. kind of anger in all of his work. Yeah, well but it, you know, it was like the same thing. Like you can see how his work totally influenced uh Spike Lee. You know, it's like Yeah, it's Spike it's, Lee it's, it's, uh it's, you know, it, it's yeah. anger, but it's it, it's pointed anger. It's not just like, you know, it's not like what we see today with the, um, you know, with like the conservative right that they're just going off on these insane conspiracy theories, especially now with Corona yeah. and Joe Joe Biden being president. Like this was pointed commentary at at, at actual real social issues that were going on in the world, but. Um, Again, much like Spike Lee, he was approaching them in ways where he was trying to look at both sides. You know, he's looking at both sides. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ, you got the COVID. Do you have the COVID? Am I, no, is that I why you... Say, I got that call. Is that, yeah. is, is that why you wanted me to, to produce the show tonight? Are you passing this show off to me because you're about to die? Just no, tell me. Just let I me know. know that. You're going to be doing your show next week, and uh, <laughs> you're going to have to need to know that bullshit. <laughs> but the only thing of yeah. his that's hard to see, and it's one of our favorites of his, is ain't going to die a natural death. Right. And the yeah. only way to see that is uh, on public TV or PBS. 
Yeah, Ain't Supposed to Die a Natural Death was one. I think, didn't he originally do that one as a play and then made it into a movie? Yeah, he did it as a play and then did it on TV. Back when PBS would show plays with balls. Right. You would see stuff like uh, uh, Sweeney Todd. uh, Yeah. You know. Yeah, right. I can remember watching that as a kid, and I was like, hmm, this stuff is good. It's not your <laughs> average material. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. yeah but I, on PBS, uh, where I grew up in New Jersey, they would sandwich stuff like that between Monty Python and Doctor Who. And you'd be like, what? (laughs) Like, what what am I watching now? Like, you're watching Monty Python. Then all of a sudden you're watching that. And then the next thing you know, you're watching Doctor Who. And you're like, what the F just happened? (laughs) Like, what? Yeah. And uh, Ain't Gonna Die Natural Death is one of those movies that will burn you. Especially the ending bit of it where it shows this, uh, one of the main characters in the movie gets shot. And as he's dying, he's like running around in a circle. And then this black, old black woman comes out and just starts going on this rant. I'll put a curse on you. I want your, <laughs> I want your daughters. He's like, I want your kids to be junkies too. I want your daughters to suck dick in the rich man's cause. I'll put a curse on you. I want you to be stuck in the world that you don't want to be. And you're just sitting there just, damn. Yeah, right? You know, just yeah. like uh, Melvin just walks up and just smacks you in the face. Well, I, and you know, the thing about that, though, is, uh, you know, he it, it, it's scary to to think about how, so many artists, not just black artists, but just so many artists can see the future. They can see what's coming, you know, like he wasn't trying to be, he wasn't trying to insult his own race with that. He was trying to point out like, this is where we're headed if we don't change our ways, you know? And it's, it's sad to see like, you know, how, um, you, you know, you, um, I was thinking about this earlier today, actually, because I've been watching that uh, that show on Hulu, uh, Wu-Tang, an American saga, you know, and, you know, I'm a big fan of hip hop and I'm a big fan of the Wu-Tang clan. And I was like, okay, I want to check out this show, but I'm like three episodes deep and they haven't even released an album yet. The first three episodes have just been about how they've been like gang banging and dealing drugs. You, you know, and it's like, it, uh, I think a lot of what I, I think a lot of what uh, he was trying to say, what Melvin Van Peebles was trying to say in his films was, you know, there's a prison that you can lock yourself in, but there's a way to get out of it. But you have to decide, you know, like you can't, you know, <sighs> we 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 tend to look at. uh you know, this country has a, has a history of systemic racism. You, we all know that, but 
there are yeah. outliers, you know, outsiders who look at it and say, look, this is what's going to happen if you don't back off, you know, and there's people who, you know, uh, like we look at the difference between like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King was like, peace is the, is the way to progress. Whereas Malcolm X was like, by any means necessary, if that means and you the have to. come home to roost. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, like I said, I, I talk about this a lot and most of the places I've lived in my life, I just lived around white people, even, you know, like I was probably like everyone assumes because I grew up in New Jersey and I, that I, that I was, you know, because New Jersey ha- is in such close proximity to New York, people assume that I saw a lot of black people when I was growing up, but uh, nope, the neighborhood that I knew grew up in, in New Jersey, there was one black dude. It was a suburban yeah. neighborhood. There was w- one black kid that I went to school with. Um, I didn't start to live around black people in, in abundance until I was probably in my teens. And then I moved to Maine to go to college and there were no black people up here. When I came up here, uh, there are now there's a, there's a large diverse, there's a large diverse population now, but it wasn't like that when I first moved here, you know, it was just all white people, you know? So, um, well, when I was growing up, there wasn't no Mexicans around here. So I had to watch anything that I could just get my eyes wrapped around or anything like that. So I could watch. So I was like watching stuff like uh, Short Eyes, uh, American Me, uh, Zoot Suit. Yeah. Oh, Zoot yeah. Suit. If you haven't seen that one, you need to. Oh, I've oh I've definitely oh I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. And Short Eyes. I was oh man, that. Beyond. Oh, Short Eyes is uh, one of the most brutal fucking films I've ever seen. Yeah, Honestly brutal, yeah. but it's still brutal as fuck. It just walks, yeah. walks up with a crowbar and just bang! Oh, God! And, and thank you for bringing up American Me because it gives me a chance to do my contractually obligated um, mention that Quentin Tarantino is my favorite director and... The rape scene in uh, Pulp Fiction with the Gimp, where uh, Ving Rhames, uh, Marcellus Wallace is getting raped. Quentin Tarantino has acknowledged that he stole that scene from American Me. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> now I've mentioned Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. So American I don't have to talk Me about is it. I don't a good to... <laughs> movie, but Short Eyes is very, very good. Yeah. American Me. American me feels like there's, there's a lot about American me that feels like it could be a made for TV movie with the exception of some of the brutality. Like you could chop a couple scenes out of American me and show that on TV, but short eyes. No, no. (laughs) And uh, Melvin's work. No, there's a reason why uh, sweet, sweet Max got rated X by an all white jury. Yeah. I can remember Jack Valente getting in Melvin's face going, What the fuck are you doing? You can't do this. Would you like this movie yeah. yeah. Is there any whites on the 
board that's going to be rating the movie? No. <laughs> then it's yeah. rated X by an all-white jury. <laughs> yeah, you and I have joked about this in the past. That is, of of all of the taglines from any movie I've ever seen, that is my absolute favorite. Rated X by an all-white jury. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, would, I would love to get one of those shirts. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that I'm just now I'm waiting for that set to come out. Well, for Criterion's 50% off sale so I can get it cheap. <laughs> then you can bring it over to your house, invite a couple friends over, show them the movie. And then I tried like, that once, and that was with the VHS of it, and they didn't. They uh, let's just say mm-hmm. they didn't get it. Yeah, they were like, "What uh, is this?" <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, just you put know, the it's white weird. voice on. What is this? <laughs> this is uh, not no uh, Wu Tang Clan black film, you know. <laughs> I'm like, no, right? ain't it good? <laughs> yeah, uh, I I have a, it's kind of funny because, you know, I have, I have lifelong friends and we all have similar interests, but no, no other friends of mine are really like film buffs like I am, you know, so you know, we can go to the movies together and see like a new movie or something and, or we can hang out and watch a movie that, that we all enjoy. But whenever I just grab something, you know, like I have a huge movie collection and whenever I just grab some obscure film out of the pile and just stick it on while we're hanging out, smoking (laughs) weed and drinking beers, people are always like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, come on, man. You, you, my, uh, <laughs> you done fucked up, boy. File, <laughs> right? Whenever I try to show it to somebody, like, you gotta see this. It's good. They're like, what the fuck is this shit? What the fuck you let me watch this shit? And I'm like, oh god, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny though, you know, because you and I have had several discussions not only here on this podcast but on other podcasts on our blog we've talked endlessly about our the most disturbing films of all time and we've talked about how so many other um uh, people talk about disturbing films and and solo always ends up at number one on so many lists and you and I have been so irritated by that that we've kind of dismissed it as no, we're not dealing with Solo anymore. We know everyone. Yeah, but the Solo, Solo to me, like I said last week, Solo is what I call one of the usual suspects. Yeah, yeah. But here's the funny uh, thing: so- Solo ahead. is one movie. Solo is one movie that I have shown to people time after time when I'm like, look, you want to see a fucked up movie? And I've shown it to people. 99% of the people that I've shown Solo to have enjoyed it. So I don't know whether that means that Solo is really the art house masterpiece that it's well, pretending be honest, to be. Well, let's be friends. The, yeah, 
the shit ain't even or, seen. We all live now. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, yeah. how many so, times well, have you been at work, Nate, and your boss yells at you, do you have a problem? And you're like, no, <laughs> boss, no. Then eat shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, happens in everybody's uh, job. They don't want to admit it, but that happens in everybody's job. I'm in an argument with my boss right now because my company credit card was declined on Friday night when I tried to put gas in my car. So, uh, And my boss says, that's never happened in the 13 years that I've worked for this company. And I was like, well, it happened tonight. <laughs> I got the company credit card and it was declined, so that seems like a you your issue, truth? not the mine. Why didn't you tell the <laughs> was truth? That? Why didn't you tell the truth? Well, that I, Mr. That I boss spent man, the... did you try to ever buy weed with it? Uh, no. <laughs> well, you tried to buy weed with it, and you'll see it get declined. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I I did go to the dispensary uh yesterday though and I did get a lot of weed, but I did not use the company credit card for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. My boss yeah, my boss is gonna be checking the invoices at the end of the month. Okay, you got gas here. You yeah, you bought some uh some supplies here. Uh what's this one? Uh uh greenhouse growers LTC. Uh what what's that? Oh <laughs> yeah, I stopped oh. and uh yeah. It says here you got uh blue sunshine, uh bubble gum. Uh, this 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 one this one's a awesome. this is a a hundred and eighty dollars a hundred and eighty dollars well yeah I mean I bought some mulch uh you know for the yeah, lawn man, at work yeah that's right man shit <laughs> but yeah uh, this is moving on today I mean yeah that is you know that's jokes like comedy you know funny. Stuff that everyone can relate to, but we're going to talk about that and how the bad comedy or stuff that you notice got like a dark, dark story behind it. It's near impossible to enjoy it. Yeah. Or, you know, like, you have to have a dark streak. I, I don't know. As someone who's a joke. But yeah, as someone, as some, yeah. Like yeah. he goes up just, and tells these horrible jokes and everybody's sitting there. <gasps> and he thinks he's telling the best damn comedy ever. You know. Yeah. Well, there's a weird dynamic. And as someone who's a stand-up comedian and a comedy writer, I can tell you there's a weird dynamic um, when it comes to dark comedy. Uh, And you and I have talked about this before, right? Like some people, some, like I've, I work with a lot of the same comedians and some of them are like, oh, I really like your stuff. And other ones are like, man, your stuff is too dark and weird. Like, that's not for the general public. But 
I, I think the best comedy comes from a dark place, you know? Like, I've, yeah. I've had a, you know, and, I mean. And you're forgetting no, the third ahead. kind, too. Man, your yeah. jokes suck more dick than a $2 whore on a Saturday night. <laughs> I've only... I've only really ever bombed once in all the years that I've been doing stand-up. And I will openly admit I bombed because I, was, I wasn't expecting to go on stage. I showed up at a show. I was high on heroin. And I just showed up to support my friends yeah. who were doing a show. And, uh, and the host is like, dude, I'm so glad you're here somebody dropped out at the last minute. Can you do 10 minutes? And I was like, yeah, so, so I can do 10 minutes. And I was fucking high out of my mind on heroin. Yeah. I should not have. For me, that reminds <laughs> me of this. Dude, Nate, I'm glad you're here. You see a fucking 20-foot jump up there? Yeah. Jump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was, that was bad. But honestly, you know, that... I'm not talking about, like, dark humor. I'm just talking like, uh, well, when you get something like, uh, what was that one uh, that the Fire Sign Theater did with uh, Don Johnson, Zachariah? Yeah, right? Just pure painful to watch, and you feel bad (laughs) for because that's how lousy that fucking movie and the comedy is. You're just sitting there like, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ooh, Like, yeah. Like they're watching fireworks. Ooh, ah, ooh, yeah. No. It was a good attempt, sir. Yeah, yeah, nice you, try. You know when you hear that, you're like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would rather have that, though, actually. I'll tell you, as like I said, as a stand-up comedian, I would rather have people like boo me or, you know, recoil like, oh, God. The, the worst thing of all when you get up on stage is just complete silence. Like, no one's even, neither laughing nor responding negatively. Just complete silence. Yeah, like, Will, oh, God, I hate saying this title. Will Hermione Hump find, I can't, that that is one of the longest fucking titles. You know what I'm talking about. It is one of the longest fucking titles ever for a movie. Will Hermione's Hump give up and find happiness? That's like a short version, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now. And but the best way to describe what, it is Anthony Newley jacking off and trying to say, God, am I funny while doing this? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I, I do believe, though, that, you know, and it's kind of where we're coming from uh, talking about uh, Van Peebles is, you know, the the best the best comedy 
not only comes from a dark place, but it comes from a place of contemplation. And that's why I feel like, um, you know, a lot of his films are misjudged or underrated because they don't realize that he's, again, he's, he's trying to be funny, but he's got a point to make and it's, and, and they're not straight comedies, you know, and, and yeah. you and I as film, and you and I as film fanatics, we know that all movies have an underlying theme, whether, you know, whether it shows on the surface or not. I mean, again, Quentin Tarantino, you know, the Westerns that he made Inglorious Bastards, like those films were an homage to a different era, but they, they weren't, they weren't feeding into that, uh, the message that would have say, say those films had been made in that era. They, it wouldn't have made the same impact because they, you know, we don't have history behind us, you know, but, um, you know, Van Peebles was building off a history of black culture to make those movies. And so he had a message but he was delivering it in a way that he thought would relate to not just a black audience, but to all audiences. You know, he was trying to bridge that gap and show people like, you know, said in watermelon that I would have fought him over is he tried to say that, uh, chef and Superfly were racist. Yeah, I would not, I would not agree with that. Yeah, if yeah. if I was talking to him and he said that, it'd be on. <laughs> yeah, you're not talking about his movie, Watermelon Man. You're talking about the documentary they did about him. Yeah, yeah. which is uh, yeah. Yeah. how to yeah. eat your watermelon in <laughs> yeah. white company yeah. and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> now, see, that's funny. But that's yeah. the type of thing that, like, that's the type of thing I'm talking about. Like, being a comedian, like, sometimes I say shit on stage that I think is really funny, and then I get off stage, and, you know, uh, other comedians on the same show will be hanging out later, eating pizza and drinking beers, and they'll be like, dude, you can never tell that joke again. That's really offensive. And I'm like, to whom? Like, to who's who who's offended by it? Someone who... Like I'm like I'm I'm pointing the gun at your head and saying, What do you think about this? No, I'm just questioning yeah. social norms. Uh, you know? I remember uh, Bill Hicks told a story once where it was after a show and this guy come up to me and said, You can't tell that joke. That joke offends me and Bill Hicks just looked at him and went, Fuck you. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, that was it. Yeah. He just looked at me and went, "Fuck you." I'm like, "That's all you can say." <laughs> yeah, uh like uh one of my favorite stories uh of stand-up comedians is uh Anthony Jezelnik. Uh he told he, he told a joke about uh, a a girl who was murdered and when he went off stage, a woman came up to him and, and said, that joke really offended me. That girl that you're joking about is my niece. And Anthony Jeselnik said, she was your niece. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
my niece. Whoa, she was your niece. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But yeah, you know, like, I I talk about this a lot on, you know, other people's podcasts when I get interviewed or when I'm just asked questions about comedy. Excuse me. I've been smoking a lot of weed today. I harvested my plants last weekend, so I got like 80 pounds of weed right now. Don't tell the feds because even though you I have had my, uh, my eighty pounds of weed, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now you just got this big motherfucking pile yeah. of ash. Yeah. yeah, now I'm down. Yeah, I have my medical card, but I'm not supposed to have this much weed, so don't tell the feds. But anyway, yeah, so, you uh, had that much weed. Now you're that. Now you're singing that song by uh, Commander Cody. I got the down to seeds and stems again, blue. <laughs> yeah, I might I might have smoked enough this week that I'm down to I'm down to a legal limit. As, so if the feds bust in, I can still just show them my cars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, there are dangerous comedians like uh, Bill Hicks when he's on Perfect. Uh, my favorite, Paul Mooney. Yeah. Paul yeah. Mooney just didn't uh, give a fuck. No, I, 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 we, we were gonna do a show the week that Paul Mooney died, but yeah. I think uh, w- one of us got sick or something. Yeah, probably me. I'm always getting sick. I'm a sick, sick motherfucker, sick in the head. Well, yeah, well, it's this. This is like the worst combination of co-hosts. Not only do we live thousands of miles away from each other, so we have to coordinate to do a show together, which was exemplified tonight when uh, I didn't call in till an hour after I was supposed to. Uh, But. Uh, we we both have serious health issues, so yeah. one or both of us is always sick. But yeah, <laughs> I think one of the funniest Mooney stories I heard was from Mark Scheffler. Uh, he was a uh, uh, he did like a, a set, and he was walking off stage, and Mooney just walked up and he said, "You're pretty funny for a white boy." <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm friends I'm friends with Scheffler. He told me that same story before too. Yeah, yeah I think it I think it was when when uh when when Mooney died. I was talking to Scheffler and he told me that story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, yeah. but Scheffler's. I mean, he's kind of a dangerous comedian too. People don't think about that and. Because, you know, you well, and I... people don't think be, of him as a comedian. They're like, Scheffler? Who's he? And they look at his picture and they're like, holy shit, he's the guy from Last House on the Left. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's what he's most known for is Last House on the Left. The original, not the remake, you yeah. fucking snoobs. <laughs> Although, does he he might have a cameo in the remake? I'm not sure. Yeah, he does. does? Yeah, he but has a cameo most, in the remake. That's not the most shameful thing he's ever did. <laughs> oh no. No, he wrote Charles in Charge. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I keep telling him I'm embarrassed of him for doing that. I'm like, man, I what's might wrong call. with you riding that, riding that shit? <laughs> I, 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 might, I might call him later, and when he picks up the phone and says, hello, I'll just say, Charles in charge of our days and our nights. <laughs> <laughs> then he'll call me back and just be like, fuck you and hang up on me. <laughs> but, uh, shit. but yeah, I mean, Mooney uh, was a dangerous comedian. I mean, he wasn't afraid to piss people off. No, no, he, no, he was, uh, you know, and like last week, uh, we were talking about Norm MacDonald and, uh, as he passed away. Uh, but Norm MacDonald, it wasn't that he was trying to piss people off, but Norm MacDonald didn't care whether you liked his jokes or not. If he liked his jokes, he, he stood behind him, whether people laughed or not. Uh, Paul Mooney was a little more aggressive about it. Like he was, he was trying to piss people off, but he didn't care. Yeah. If you were pissed off or not, you know, he yeah. still like he stood he stood behind his jokes, you know, he stood behind yeah. his jokes, you know, and he so. loved telling jokes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of weird uh, nowadays is to find the comedian that tells jokes. Yeah. Right. Most comedians nowadays, the new the new breed, like to tell stories. Yeah, i i kind of I kind of vacillate with my because I grew up with so many of the old school comedians um, that I do I write a lot of one liners or like you know set up punchline jokes kind of stuff, but. Yeah. I always try to end my set with one long story that's punctuated with, you know, punchlines along the way. And that's because I grew up listening, you know, after as comedy evolved, I went from, you know, George Carlin and Richard Pryor and those guys, I went into um, like David Cross and, and uh, you know, yeah. uh, uh, you know, uh, the those nineties comedians who were more storytellers, you know. Yeah. Uh oh you and, know so uh for the record, he said vacillate, not Vaseline, so he wasn't telling mm-hmm. jokes about his time in prison. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I don't joke about my time in prison. That was a those were some rough years, you know. Hey, you know, if you ever go to jail for copyright infringement you can joke about it. <laughs> hey, I know. I, I know. When it comes to the whole 
bitch, butch part of the situation in prison, I know where my level's going to be. <laughs> well, All yeah, I know but is you're it's going like... to have a lot of Al, Al, please, Al, stop, <laughs> Al, to the left, please, bull to the left, Al. Yeah. Yeah. Well, see, I don't know. You're you're a lot bigger than I am. So you might be able to protect yourself in prison, but you're also a lot cuter than I am. So you might be more of a target. You know, well, no, you know what I do? I sell your ass. (laughs) Look at this. He's only 40 years old, and he's prime ass, people. <laughs> Just look at him. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, now you don't know that for sure. You don't know how much I've had up my ass in my 48 years. My my ass might be blown out. Uh, you ever see hey, those? Hey, I you sell. Ever see... <laughs> I don't tell the truth. I sell. <laughs> yeah, you're a salesman. Yeah, this look at this ass. Oh, it belonged to a little old lady who only drove it twice on Sundays. <laughs> yeah, and she wrote it good. Uh, yeah. There's still some tread on this tire. <laughs> but, yeah, we grew up in the 70s where we would have different things. I mean, we would have... Uh, uh, dang it! The, who was in the? We had Steve Martin, his type of jokes. We had Richard Pryor and his type of jokes. We had George Carlin and his type of jokes. Basically, when it comes to our type of humor, we had like a buffet. Yeah, I I would. De- that's kind of what I was getting at before talking about my you know, the comedy that I do nowadays as a stand-up, it's definitely a booyah base of all that stuff. Like, I mean, Steve Martin has always been a fairly clean comedian, you know, like, uh, I, I think the, the one exception I can think of is, uh, that one scene in the jerk where you couldn't get away with this now, but when he's talking to the gangsters and they're telling him that they want his money to help him keep the, the black people out of the neighborhood and then when the guy says you know the niggas and then steve martin says you sir are talking to a nigger and then he does the whole kung fu fight um <laughs> i don't think but i don't yeah, think you but, what, I, but yeah, that's, but that's what i'm talking about is he had his kind of humor which was different than richard Pryor's or george oh, yeah. carlin's like I said, we got we had different kinds of humor to enjoy. We had stuff also like the Fire Sign Theater, uh, Monty yep. Python. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it's funny you bring up Steve Martin because I've been watching that new show of his, uh, Only Murders in the Building, uh, with him yeah. and uh, Martin Martin Short, and uh, it, it's 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 strange to to think about that because now that you bring it up, you know, Steve Martin was one of the first comedians that I was ever really into. Like I had a big poster on my wall when I was like 12 years old of that famous, you know, Steve Martin with the 
fake arrow through his head wearing the white disco suit. Wild and you crazy know. guy. Yeah, wild and crazy guy, yeah. I had that poster on my wall when I was like 12 years old because I was super into Steve Martin. But now it's like all these years later watching him do this show, it's like, you know, he's still on top of the game. It's just his his comedy has evolved. And I think a big thing that we uh, discount when it comes to comedians is, you know, we talk about comedians like uh, George Carlin or uh, Richard Pryor or Lenny Bruce, you know, uh, a, a lot of them died young. And so we, uh, Bill Hicks, we didn't get to see the evolution. Like, oh man, when, 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 when Bush Jr. was in office and we had 9 11 and, and, and the war in Afghanistan started and all that stuff, I would have loved to have heard Bill Hicks take on that. That would have been, you know, I mean, he was yeah. already pissed off. He was already pissed off at George Sr. for the war in Iraq. I would have loved to have heard what he had to say about 9 11 and the war in Afghanistan, yeah. you know. But, or Flip Wilson, you know. too, especially after that one album. I keep forgetting the title where he talked about the G.I. Gorilla. Yep, yep. Yeah, I don't know what, what album was that. Album, I forget, but the first comedy album that really kicked me in the ass was AMFN by uh, George Carlin. Yep. And that now, one was wild because you would have AM, which he put in all of his clean stuff, uh, the hippy-dippy weatherman, all of his clean jokes. But then he had the FM side. Which was all of his dirty jokes. Yeah, I ha uh you you know me, uh I I collect vinyl and I have that album on vinyl. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, I gotta find a place for all this vinyl, man. My house is uh, you know, my wife and I moved from a four bedroom house to a one bedroom apartment, not not for financial reasons, but just because we had to be closer to where we worked and this was the only place we could find to live. And so we had to put a bunch yeah. of our stuff in storage. We had to put a bunch of our stuff in storage, but I said, nah, I'm going to keep my records here and she's going to keep her records here. So we have four turntables and about mm, a thousand records in this apartment. And uh, that takes up most of our space. <laughs> I wonder how many of the young kids or young comedians actually know who the hell I'm talking about when I talk about stuff like the Fire Sign Theater. Yeah, I know. Uh, it, it, it's weird, too. Uh, like, even, um, like, Monty Python is even, I mean, obviously not as, as obscure as Fireside Theater or, like, uh, um you know, even Second City, like you, you, sometimes you bring up Second City to like a young comedian and they're like, what are you talking about? Second City. I'm like, you don't know Second City? Like, come on, man. That's, <laughs> that's where so many of your favorite comedians got their start. And now Second City is nationwide. It started out in Chicago, but now there's Second City branches all over the country. And I'm like, you've like, 
I don't know, man. It, it's like anything, though. You know, when you get, we're old men, and and we get, we're, we're getting, we're getting to the get off my lawn stage of our lives. You know, where we're like, get off how, my how lawn. Do you, yeah. <laughs> one of the rarest not... ones uh, I've ever had, comedy wise, and this one, I hope you know, is uh, the Godfather parody album. Forget what yep, company right. did it, but. That one's a very, very rare out comedy album. It's hilarious as hell if you can find it, but yeah, try and yeah. find it. <laughs> uh, another uh, well, here's another thing, and this is this is another uh, uh, like overall that people don't remember a lot, but I know you remember Doctor Demento, right? Oh God, like, yeah. Yeah, we used to listen to Doctor Demento every week, yeah. and that's where I first uh, that's where I first heard Weird Al. But another uh, comedy troupe that was on there was the Dead Alewives, and a lot of yeah. comedians don't don't know about the Dead Alewives. But one of the members of that comedy troupe was Dan Harmon, who went on to write for the Sarah Silverman program and and uh, created Community, which was a cult hit show. It's one of my favorite shows, yeah. but I know a lot of people don't watch it, but uh, yeah, but the dead ale wives, uh, they had a recurring sketch on, on uh, Dr. Demento each week where they would play Dungeons and Dragons live or I, maybe they recorded it and they just sent it in every week, but yeah. they would play Dungeons and Dragons every <laughs> week, you know, <laughs> they'd be like, uh, you know, roll the dice to see if I get laid this week. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm going to say one, and I hope that you know it. You probably will. Uh, Taekwon Lee. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And that's just like yeah. a bizarre kung fu thing. It's fucking hilarious. Especially yeah. when this guy tries to kick uh boot to the head. And this guy tries to kick the guy in the head and he's like kicks him as hard as he could and all of a sudden you miss. No, 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 wait, wait, no, 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 no. You must learn. The kindness, the knowledge. Ed Gruberman, boot to the head. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. You know, they used to do this. Uh, go, not necessarily referencing George Carlin, but you were talking about uh, like AM FM. I remember when I was growing up there was an FM radio station where the DJs used to do this funny thing where they would, uh, they would play segments of the biggest hits of the day. Kind of like, you know, like nowadays when you're, if I don't know, sometimes I listen to the radio when I'm driving in my work van and I'll just what? hear stuff like, you know, <laughs> what? <laughs> What the fuck are you talking about? Listening to the radio? Fucking Yeah, weirdo. well we don't have we don't we don't we don't have a CD player in the in the car at work. We have to listen to the radio if we want to listen to music. Weirdo, listen to the goddamn radio. <laughs> but you know they'll you know they'll have like when they when they go 
after the commercial break, there'll be like the biggest hits of the 60s, 70s, and 80s coming at you live right now. But when I was a kid, if you were listening to the radio, to promote the biggest songs that they were, the biggest hits that they were playing at the time, they would do these skits uh, where they'd be like, you know, uh, you know, Superman is fighting Lex Luthor on the Capitol, on the steps of the Capitol building. Superman, how's it going? I'm winning. No, you're losing. Oh, I'm God, winning. yeah. I look up the no. okay. I forget his last name. Dickie, <clears throat> Dickie something. <laughs> right. They they would do that shit, like where they would make these little skits where they would just play yeah. clips of the biggest hits. You know, just in between yeah. com- after the commercial break. So, yeah. Like, one of my favorites yeah, can- was the one they did about King Kong. Right? <laughs> King Kong, what are you doing to get ready tonight? He's like, uh, you know, he's King Rubber Band Man. He's like, hand me down my walking cane. Hand me down my hat. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, see? Like. Kids today will never know. They'll never know. But like you said, kids today don't even listen to the radio. Like I usually don't want them in my car. I have satellite yeah. radio. You know, I have Spotify. It I have was weird Spotify, that we had you know? not only good comedy like Richard Pryor, we also had great clean comedy, which is the stuff you would hear on Dr. Demento. Yeah. Like right. uh, uh boot from the head, uh the homecoming queen's got a gun. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't get away with that one today. <laughs> uh Star Trekking. Star Trekking across the universe. Flying through the outer space with Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, that's where I first heard Weird Al. Weird Al's always been clean, yeah, but he's always been my hilarious. You know? Yeah, my Bologna yeah. was his first hit. Well, his first song. Yeah. I, I think the, the first song I remember of his was Yoda. Yoda. Y-O-D-A, That's the only Yoda. one. His first one was, uh, like I said, my Bologna. Him and a friend of his recorded it at a bathroom in his college. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny, you know, like. like, He did that. He did that fart noise. That was the holy music. (laughs) Uh, Well, it was like, you know, Sean Timms and I, uh, who frequent listeners to our program will know is is another partner of ours in this whole project. He runs the the blog site. R dash massive. Don't forget to put the dash in there, or you're just going to get a bunch of dick pics. Um, but if you want to check out our writing, you can go to R dash massive. Sean Tim's runs that. But he and I talk about this all the time because we also run a record label together, and we've recorded not only ourselves but many other artists, and we've recorded in so many random places, just like you know people's kitchens. Uh, We've recorded in bathrooms. We've recorded we've recorded so many different places. And the funny thing is, nowadays, we have a professional studio where we go and record, but we always look back on all of the different stuff that we did over the years 
we'll listen to some old albums and we'll, we'll be just like that. Hey, remember that? We recorded that in someone's dorm room. Hey, remember that? We recorded that in someone's kitchen. Hey, remember that? We recorded that in yeah. someone's bathroom. <laughs> we just have all these songs from years and years of recording and putting out <laughs> albums that, you know, we're just like, yeah, it, it's funny. Like, we've come a long way, baby. Yeah. But. I never got to hear the show live, but I knew of it. I got the tape. Which was like uh, the two cassette, uh, uh, Dr. Demento, uh, history, uh, the anniversary special. Right. And the one thing I think is funny that people are like, oh, I don't want you to listen to that, like your parents did. They talk about drugs, but if you really listen to Cheech and Chong stuff, there's rarely any drug stuff in it. Like, my favorite bit of Cheech and Chong is the one where they go to the drive-in. <laughs> right. <laughs> and they got two of their friends who get stuck in the trunk. Yep. Hey, man, let yeah. us fuck out of here, you son of a bitch. God damn it, you got to open the damn trunk. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, we've talked about this before, and it's so weird, man, for growing up, because, you know, usually you and I talk about movies and, and stuff, yeah. and, uh, you know, we talk about horror movies and the most disturbing movies of all time, and I always tell you about that, that, yeah, my parents were very permissive about the movies that I watched and the books that I read and everything, but for some reason, my parents were really pissed off about Cheech and Chong. And you know what? Here's the funny thing. When, when my parents found out I was listening to Cheech and Chong, you know how they found out? Ow. It wasn't, it wasn't because I started smoking weed. It wasn't because I didn't start smoking weed till I was in college. And it wasn't because I was doing any other drugs or anything. It was because I would go down to the park every day and play basketball. And when I would come home, or before I would leave, or when I came home, I'd sing basketball Joe. Yeah. Basketball Joe. <laughs> and then my parents, I got a my parents were like, so baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, the, so my parents were like, "Where'd you hear that song?" I was like, "I, I was like, I got this tape. I got, I got this tape." And they were like, <laughs> Yeah. So I got well, my I got in trouble. Went to the movie theaters to see Cheech and Chong's next movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think I. My I think I told you another. Me what the word pendejo means, and I was like laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told you another good story about that. Uh, my parents took me to the drive-in one night. It was a double feature. It was Jaws and Porky's. They showed Jaws. <laughs> they showed Jaws first, right? Jaws first, and when Jaws was over and Porky started, my mom—I was in the back seat. My mom turned around and was like, "You can just go to sleep now." She didn't <laughs> mind me watching. She didn't mind me watching Jaws, but she didn't want me to see Porky's. <laughs> no, I don't blame her. That was a dirty movie. 
I think one of the biggest mistakes my parents ever did is when I was like eight or nine, they took me to see Animal House. Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. (laughs) Fucker, fucker, fucker. I hate the word titties. Here's a weird story, right? Like I was dating this girl one time and I, the uh, titties? I said, well, no, I, I was dating this girl one time <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, we were we were getting ready to uh to you know get down and so she stripped down to her bra and panties and i was like oh i like those panties and she was like don't call them panties that's gross and i was like all right then we started fucking and playing around and at at the end she was like i want you to pull out and come on my titties I was like, well, if I can't say panties, if I can't say panties, I don't think you should say titties. I mean, come on. Yeah. You know, like, if, you, if I can't say titties, woman, I'm going to say that you're, if I can't say, if I can't say panties, then I'm going to say you want an itty bitty titty committee. <laughs> right? Yeah, right now, there's like 40 women waiting outside to kick the living shit out of me. (laughs) Yeah, they're just like, motherfucker, you just bring your ass out this motherfucking door. Just bring it on, motherfucker. We gonna talk to you. (laughs) (laughs) So, So here's my question, though. If I can't say panties, and I don't want her to say titties. It's just weird what words that people get offended by. And I'm not talking about dirty words. I'm talking about weird words. Right? Like, people, like, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, everyone who's listening to this knows the least popular word in the English language is moist. People hate the word moist for some reason. <laughs> Somebody somebody brought up, I hate the word moist. I just get some moist towelettes and just throw it at them. (laughs) They're moist. Catch them. They're moist. Oh, God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. You said moist. Oh, God. But, yeah, Yeah, I I think funny. It's like... uh, you can say the word moist, but don't call it a ding-a-ling or a pee-pee. <laughs> don't well, you touch my also pee-pee, woman. It, you know, <laughs> it, if, if, if she's going to say titties, and I would prefer her to just say tits, but then I think, wait a second, if I'm not allowed to say panties, then am I just supposed to say pants? Because there's already another definition for pants. So how, what, what am I supposed to what what am I supposed to call women's underwear if I can't say panties? I I, I just I, I don't know I'm confused. Oh no, I can't think of kits without thinking of a class clown by uh, George Carlin. 
Yeah, right? <laughs> New Nabisco tits. I bet you can't eat just one. <laughs> one time I dated a girl that wore boxer shorts. I think she I think she might have been I mean she well, was sexy and everything. Kind of you are the kind of guy that will turn a girl. Well, yeah, you know. You're a I, nice I don't guy, think... Nate, but after dating you for two weeks, you made me want to eat pussy, not dick. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. Uh, when I dated that chick, uh, I I kind of thought that she might have been, you know, borderline, like she was still trying to figure out her sexuality. But it worked out for me because she brought a lot of her girlfriends over, and I had a lot of threesomes in that part, <laughs> that time of my life. Go and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and so I'm pretty sure after we uh, went our separate ways that she probably just went straight up, uh, you know, lesbian. But uh, hey, I got the best of both worlds in that in that situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the next, yeah, the next was... girl. Uh, Wait, the next girl I dated after that asked me one time if I wanted to have a threesome with her and one of her friends, and I legitimately had to say, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying this is how exhausted I was. I was like, you know what, I've had a, way too many threesomes in the last year, can we just not? <laughs> I just had to be like, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't do threesomes yeah, anymore. Like, I'm sorry, baby, I don't want to do a threesome. Let's do a twosome, you and her. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I would have I would have gone for that. <laughs> I'm so I'm so old and tired now that yes, I would I would I would watch my wife have sex with another woman and just sit there and just you know, like like it was a TV show. I'm just like, now I don't want her to have sex with another guy. But if she wanted to have sex with another woman, I'd be like, yeah. Can I just sit over here and watch and drink my beer? Because I'm really tired, babe. What if the girl? Well, yeah, but what if the girl's clit was bigger than most guys' dicks? Well, if any girl's clit is bigger than my dick, so it's not. That's not even a. That's not oh, even a problem. Quiet. Oh, don't give me no bullshit, John Holmes. <laughs> I heard stories of you and Colin where you just smacked somebody from across the dorm. It's long, but it's thin. You yeah, know. but still. <laughs> oh, God, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I'm like Pootie Tang. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, and then there's like, to me, there's like, Comedy albums that I'm glad that exist, but I, in a way, I'm like, why do they have to? Uh, no, one of them would be uh, Bill Hicks' last album. That movie is just heartbreaking to listen to. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like Bill Hicks is one of my favorite comedians. Um, like I said, I wish he had stayed around longer to comment. Like he was, he was so political and so smart and more than just his last album, like 
just reading stuff about his last days where, you know, everyone close to him said that he kept writing and, you know, was really, you know, he wanted to make the most of what he had left of his life. Um, yeah, it, 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 it casts a, it casts a, a cloud over his entire career, just knowing that he was, that he died so young and he had so much more to say and so much more to give. And, uh, you know, but yeah, like you said, that last special that starts off with him, the first thing he says after the applause dies down from his introduction, he says, please bear with me while I plow through this shit one more time. And, you know, that I've mentioned that before, uh, on our show that as a stand-up comedian, you know, I've had, I've had promoters that booked me week after week after week. And then one, one time they're just like, you know what, we're not going to have you back anymore. Cause you just do the same material every week. And it's like, well, people don't understand. That's how stand-up comedy works. You write it, you rehearse it, you perform it and you find out what works and what doesn't, but you don't rewrite the entire set every week. You rewrite the parts that didn't work or you, add new jokes as you come up with them, but you still have to have a routine. You know, there's a ritual to it. It's not just random thoughts off the top of your head. And yeah, a lot of people they, don't understand When that. your jokes start to be, see that guy over there, he's the boss. Fuck him. He's a fucking prick. <laughs> Throw shit at him. <laughs> yeah. After a while, your boss don't like getting hit in the head with like glass <laughs> glasses, jars, chairs, yeah. you know. No, it's nothing against yeah. you, man. It's just, you know, you know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've I I've definitely uh, I I haven't burned any bridges in the comedy community yet, but uh, there have definitely been times that I've pissed people off. Uh, you know, there, there, there were, there have been some guys that I've worked with in the past who, you know, they'll still work with me, but I'm not the first on their Rolodex when they're looking for a comic to book, you know, they, they still work with me, but, um, yeah. you know, they, they know, they know that I can be difficult, you know, and, you know, I don't try to, I don't, like I said, when I perform, you know, I go on stage sober when I perform, but I do have substance abuse issues. I don't deny that. You know, I, I drink a lot. I do a lot of drugs and, you know, that should be uh, apparent to anyone who listens to our podcast on a regular basis. I, uh, you know, I'm, when I, when I'm, yeah, but at least you're not like in the old days where you drunk a lot of drugs and, uh, ate a lot of beer. (laughs) right (laughs) yeah i mean i can maintain myself obviously like every time we do a podcast together i'm drunk and high but i can still converse with you about shit for two hours but you know when it comes to performing live whether it's music yeah that's a good thing that i've never heard an album from any comedian where they're obviously fucked up throughout the whole album and you're just sitting there going, God damn. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 
And like I said, the only time that I've ever bombed as a comedian in the six plus years that I've been doing it was the one time I went on stage on heroin and I bombed hard because I couldn't yeah. remember my you material because pulled, I was uh, fucked up. You never pulled the Jim Morrison yet. No, no, no. And but for uh, you young speaking folks, of, I'm talking about, can you see it? Can you see it? <laughs> But speaking of uh, comedians who suffered from heroin addiction and another, if you want to talk about a comedian whose story makes me really sad, uh, Lenny Bruce. Um, Oh, his last album is, sadly, it's A, it's not funny. Yeah, it's torturous. It's just sad. Because the cops broke him. There's no dancing around the subject. The cops broke him. I yeah, mean, it goes back like to... You can see like a giant-ass crack down the middle of his body. It's that bad. Well, it's like you were saying before, you know, um, and we were talking about this earlier in the show. Jim Morrison is a good example as well. Like, The things that Jim Morrison and Lenny Bruce were arrested for and charged with while they were pursuing their careers are just so minuscule compared to what people get away with on stage nowadays because our social, uh, you know, our social constructs have changed to the point where, you know, we're more accepting of certain things than we were back then, but yeah, but uh, you know, like, just looking for his ass. I mean, it was like they were just like, "Come on, fuck up! Come on, fuck up!" Yeah, they would have. They would have still arrested Jim Morrison nowadays if he grabbed his dick and pulled it out on stage. You could still get arrested for that. But the shit that Lenny Bruce was talking about at the time, if he were still alive and doing comedy and commenting on, you know, our social uh, mores today uh he he wouldn't be arrested for it you know he wouldn't be fined for it you know if you um, see he was we're dancing around go watch the lenny bruce movie you will see cops sitting in the front row at his shows with a damn oh, yeah. notebook and paper and pencil just writing down yep. any shit that they can to to arrest him for. God bless America. I mean, the way he died was a heart attack, and the cops let any scumbag motherfucker come into where he had OD'd and died and take pictures of it. The thing... The thing that pisses me off the most about the whole Lenny Bruce situation is, you know, his his career spiraled downwards. And like you said, towards the end of his uh, life, he was just going on stage. He was broken. Like you said, he was reading from the transcripts of trials that he had had to endure. And he was claiming you know freedom of speech freedom of speech how is any of this illegal you know and now 
fast forward to 2021, and we live in an era where these fucking neo-Nazis and these fucking scumbags who are 100% anti-American, uh, they can say whatever the fuck they want. They're not getting arrested. They're not going to jail. They're out there. I can't believe, I cannot fucking believe that in this day and age, if you want to get me pissed off, show me a fucking neo-Nazi march where the police are standing alongside the street to make sure that nobody attacks he the neo-Nazis. Like, one of the words that he got arrested for was? No. Boopy. <laughs> poopy? Yeah, poopy. <laughs> a cop arrested him because he said poopy on stage. <laughs> oh, no. My five-year-old daughter is about to be arrested. I think she I just said poopy. I think she just said poopy. Uh. Hello? Uh. 